This is an ABC podcast. On. These last couple of years are like bad Wi-Fi, aren't they? It's <laughs> not not downloading buffering. properly. <laughs> Life, but, we're still buffering. And there's pop-ups coming up. Oh. <laughs> constant, what an analogy! Constant pop-ups. It. I know. I know. Hello, I Zan. <laughs> Hello, Miff. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. Sick to death of lockdown, but, you know, what's different from last week and the other 200 and how many days now? Don't even want to know. Don't count. Don't um, count. But, no, look, you know, all in all, pretty good. Just getting through it. Um, I look forward to this each week, though, so much. Same. Because it's a way to kind of think about the week for me in a different way. It's not just... How does this news affect me, which I think we all get caught up in at the moment? How is this affecting me? Um, it's more about looking at the world, you know, how, how is this interesting in the world? And I reckon that's a really nice way to reframe your brain as well at a time like this because <laughs> it makes things feel a bit more positive when you can find the fun and you can find the find the stories that tell us a bit about ourselves and the, this moment that we're in as opposed to, oh, my God, how does this affect me today? Because that's exhausting, isn't it? Mm. Totally spot on. Having it, being able to sit back and look at it in a more objective way is hugely helpful. Mm. Finding stupid shit to talk about is hugely <laughs> helpful. You know yes. what else I've been loving too? Like I've just really noticed, particularly since we, you know, opened up the bang box and invited you to, to speak to us. And obviously people have been leaving amazing reviews over the years that we've been doing bang on. But I don't know about you, I've just really noticed that there's been people from the get-go um, who's been with us, but there's been a whole bunch of new Bang fam who have joined us in the last year or so in particular. Mm. And I think it's, I, I don't think it's, you, you know, you can skip over the fact that we feel obviously very isolated, but we, as humans, we need community. And where we can't get that community in real life, in in physical form, finding it through things like Bang On is just a, a huge, a huge dopamine hit every week yeah. um, that we love and that we see that you love as well. And I think that also, as a podcast that began as a pop culture, music, life, art stuff conversation, mm. uh, for me, it's re- I don't know. We've kind of shifted into another gear that I'm really. It is sometimes hard and challenging, but I'm really enjoying. I'm enjoying the honesty that we live in each week and how tough that can be, but also I can just see how much everyone else is going through it as well. And I just mm. want to thank everyone who sends us emails, particularly there was one email this week that came through to the bang box from Shelley, who is a nurse who lives in northern New South Wales, but she lives in a border town and basically usually hops over the border to work in, in Queensland in a hospital there. But due to the border closures and that hard border that's gone up um, with every other state that borders... New South Wales, she and 300 staff at her work have been stood down, which is a real kick in the guts, as she says, to her and to a lot of other healthcare workers who have been working, you know, to the bone over the last 18 months, been on the front line and been witness to some very tough situations and working so hard at their own risk every single day. So I totally, totally get that. And I'm sorry that you're going through this, Shelley. But Shelley also said in this email that yesterday when she wrote it, she was hanging out with her two dogs, Squid and Ralphie, mm. and she made the conscious effort to not watch any news and not doom scroll. 
She's in nature every day and she's really grateful for that. But she also remembered that we recommended a TV show, uh, Back to Nature, which is on the yes. ABC. You recommended that the- last week and I still oh. haven't watched it, but I plan to this week. Do your forest bathing through iView. It's so good. Ooh, so she watched the two it. episodes that were available on iView and she says, oh, wow, what an experience. This is just what I needed. It really relaxed me. felt like a sensory experience with the bird song in the background and the slow shots of them touching rocks or earth. It feels poignant with the state of climate change right now, but also a way of learning from our First Nations peoples about respecting and living with nature. On my morning walk with my dogs today, I took the story from episode one of introducing myself to the bushland I was walking in and thanking the Bundjalung country that I'm in and will continue to do so. I love that. Taking it on board, Shelley. And seriously, for anyone who can see the bright side after working on the front lines of healthcare, you are doing better than most. I salute (laughs) you and um, thank you so much for that beautiful email. It really... Those emails ground us and then yeah. some, so we really appreciate it, Bang Fam. It's amazing. Yeah, we do. And what a beautiful community that we've got around us. I feel... We're, we're so know, lucky. I've, I feel like, you know, we've been through some shit in the last, well, it's now, now nearly a couple of years, and I feel, I feel part of a community that's got my back, and I love that, and I thank everybody for that, you know? I think that's really special. We're lucky. Very lucky. Miff, do you recognise this music? No. Can't say that I do. What, why are we playing that? It's the music that Qantas play when you're boarding the plane. So as you're making your way to your seat, figuring out how it, many, you know, most of the time in my case, I'm going to live in this economy seat for the next 8 to 24 hours. <laughs> Getting my things out of my overhead locker, putting them in the little pocket, settling in for the long haul, quite literally. And that's the music that they uh, put on when when you're boarding. And they've just uploaded that this week to Spotify, which I think is so interesting and funny that they made it available. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit cruel, but maybe the idea is to get us all inspired for the fact that we may be able to travel somewhere as we head towards the end of the year. as vaccination rates go up. So maybe it's like a, a tempter or a teaser, but I genuinely don't recognise that music and I've, I've flown a lot. Does this mean I've, I've blocked it out because I can't have it anymore? Or, all I think I remember you've cancelled it out, yeah. <laughs> it, all I remember is Missy Higgins, always Missy Higgins, and I love it, but I don't remember that. So It's definitely part of a campaign to get us game fit for flying. This week Qantas also announced that they were mandating vaccinations for all of their staff and they rolled out an ad that had everyone crying, reminding us of what waits on the other side, Mm. showing a couple that were waiting to get married in Singapore, a family trip to Disneyland, and the one, the storyline that broke me was the dad who was finally able to visit his young daughter in London, and oh my God, when he looks oh. at the picture, oh. I was gone. I oh, was crying. gone. What has happened to us when an ad from Qantas <laughs> makes you feel things that you? Oh, come didn't... on, they always make you cry. The, who they use for their team, they all, and the in flight videos make me cry. Do they? <laughs> their safety videos. <laughs> I, they are actually really good. Um, and it says a lot that uh, I know that, that people are sort of, a lot of people are saying, where's our, where's our vaccination? promo that, that gets all of Australia motivated. I've got to say, and I hate to say it, but I think an airline might have just done it. <laughs> yeah, corporate, corporate Australia is stepping up. Although they haven't made the ad that I want to see. 
Oh, yeah. And this will really make me feel like I miss flying and being able to get out of the country and and go to another part of the world because I just want to see someone pushing a trolley, ignoring me when I ask for a second tiny bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the judgment. The judgment. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, Can I have a... Another, uh, uh, another, another Riesling? With, uh, yeah, please. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, trolley tr- service is finished. <laughs> I'm so glad. I feel seen right now. Yeah. This is me. That Sydney to Melbourne flight is short, but you can definitely get two bottles down the hatch. You Absolutely. Can, but the judgment is harsh <laughs> if you ever do it. And that's the ad that I want to see because then I will feel like things are back to normal. <laughs> In the meantime, the Qantas boarding music may come back to you in some stage as a fever dream from the past. Mm -hmm. The other thing fantastic that I saw pop up in the last couple of days, um, someone tweeted the audio of BBC Radio 1 DJ Pete Tong reading out his website address 20 years ago. Take a listen to this. So it's very complicated, but here it comes. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www.bbcnc.org.uk forward slash BBC TV forward slash Radio 1 forward slash P slash Tong forward slash index full stop HTML. I know it doesn't make sense, but if you've got a computer and you're out there on the internet, you will understand what I mean. Oh, my God. I mean, this could be a highly specific reaction that you and I felt as being radio DJs at the dawn of the internet and having to read out those incredibly long URLs. Mm. But good Lord. <laughs> I feel, I feel so quite good. I feel quite triggered because I can't tell you, and people won't know this, when you're broadcasting and you're dealing with, with new bits of information that have to be related, to a broad audience, especially at an organisation like the ABC, the amount of discussions around how you say certain things and the correct mm. way to say them. I think we I've spent hour-long meetings going, do we say forward slash or just slash? Do we say zero, zero or O, <laughs> even though it is actually zero but O makes more sense mm. to the and, audience? And I nearly lost friends over saying we don't need to say WWW anymore. Everybody <laughs> knows it's WWW. <laughs> We don't need to. I've nearly lost a job, I think, over that one. <laughs> Did you ever say dub, 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 which I always thought was stupid because it takes pretty much the same amount of time but you sound like way more of a dickhead? <laughs> dub, 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 dot. So bad. <laughs> rub dub dub three whatever's in a tub. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. It's so funny. We've come so far. We've come so far. And, you know, there was a warm, comforting feeling when I did listen to that, like an old blanket that mm. I just put on because... That was my life for a long time because let's not forget, I hosted the Net 50 on Triple J, which was a chart show based on the very first voting system that you could use on this amazing whiz-bang technology called the internet. Huge. (laughs) You were at the coalface, Miff, at the coalface. I was. (laughs) So I was quite triggered by that when I heard that, Um, but I also (laughs) loved it. Think three times when you feel it kicking in that the very laid-back sounds of the new Lord record, which just dropped over the weekend. And you sent me a fantastic piece by one of my favourite music writers, Laura Snapes, in The Guardian, Is Being a Female Pop Star Unbearable? Mm. What a read, Miff. What a headline, too. Uh, and I think it encapsulates a lot of many of the discussions we've been having on this show for years, and that is around the pressure on 
female pop stars to appear in a certain way in order to maintain their audience, to create in a certain way, to keep selling those records and the industry and the mechanisms that exist around that one individual who's usually very young that are not only quite oppressive, i.e. based around image of that particular pop star and the pressures there, but also in terms of behaviour and how these women are policed by all facets of the community. So we've been talking about this for a long, long time and and Laura Snapes has kind of encapsulated some of these ideas that we've been talking about in that now that's come to the point where we know the mechanisms in place that oppress these pop stars, even though they have global fame and money, and now we're truly seeing that it might not be something to aspire to, Mm. which has always been the case. You know, people have aspired to be a pop star and wanting the fame. There's whole television shows about it. It's as if it's an aspirational thing that we can achieve if you work hard enough at it. But in actual fact, I think what Laura is, is suggesting by this article is it doesn't matter how hard you work. The whole construct is pretty horrible for anyone involved. And while there may be levels of success that that might look outwardly as, as if it's something to aspire to, it's really quite unbearable, I think. Well, yeah, she makes the point of not just Lord but Billie Eilish, who also released a record recently, who both say within the lyrics of their albums that they once enjoyed their music. They're both people that became very famous when they were teenagers. But now that fame and that experience of making music is being tarnished by trolls, by being overtly sexualised, you know, by harassment and by these unrealistic expectations. No matter what choice you make, you're always doing the wrong thing or being judged in a certain way. There's no way that you can win in this world and why would you want to to go through that? And Lizzo was another person mm. that was brought up. She just put out this amazing comeback single because she hasn't had a song in the last couple of years with Cardi B on an incredible verse and she pretty much tried to, you know, trounce the haters with this song, mm. Rumours, And the response was so vitriolic that in the days afterwards she's posted footage of herself in tears, unable to comprehend the the hate, you know, so bad that Facebook has stepped in and removed accounts that broke the rules around hate speech, around harassment, um, around bullying. And specifically when you're looking at these three women we're talking about, Lizzo is a large black woman. She is subject to some of the most atrocious harassment online. Mm. No matter how resilient someone is, no one can stand up to that. No, no one should have to stand up to no, that. No, no. And it's, it's, yeah, as Laura says, it's really hard to know who would sign up to being a pop star in 2021 under these conditions. You know, knowing everything that we know now, it's just this this world that, is, you know, in flames, as she says, in flames a merciless and exploitative existence. Why would you want to do that? It's such a hard decision to make when you're passionate about creating a life and sharing your creative voice Mm. and sharing your stories. And, you know, I can't imagine what young female artists and female identifying artists would be thinking, looking at this, going, oh, if I do that, then this is what waits for me. If I'm successful, Mm. if I'm successful, this will happen to me. I mean, that's fucked. Yeah, it doesn't sound like (laughs) a fun time at all. And in terms of Lizzo, her whole 
persona and being and and I imagine it's who she is as a person and it's not just a, a persona that she adopts. It's been about acceptance of who she is and having confidence in that and that has inspired many, many people but because of the level that she's at, she's not at a, at a place where she can shut down social media like you Beyonce's can who have in a way or who don't engage in that very personal way because in this digital age everyone's expected to be online, accountable, dealing with their fans, conversing with Mm. their fans. That's how you make a position for yourself. And unless you are Beyonce, you can't back out of that. It's, It's like an unofficial contract. So she's stuck in this world of professing confidence in herself and who she is for exactly who she is and yet is copying more and more criticism than she probably could have ever imagined, but she also can't back away from it because that's who she is. And it's it's a horrible conundrum, I would imagine, as an artist creating in this era. Yeah, there's no there's no final paragraph that goes, but wait, here's how we fix it. This is just a statement of fact. So it's mm. not really an uplifting article, um, but I think it's really fascinating to crawl inside these worlds and particularly with th- three examples of music that's been released that has been received in a certain way from artists that you would expect are celebrated for sharing this mm. um, and uh, and are appreciated for opening their hearts and the varying degrees of responses that they've gotten for that. It's um, it's interesting, but it's also really devastating as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Laura. Great article. Hey, remember last year we were talking about that doco on Netflix? Everyone was talking about it, The Social Dilemma, which is mm. talking about what, you know, digital media and phones and stuff are doing to us, that addiction that we have and how it's rewiring our brains. I'd forgotten about that documentary already. Because <laughs> 2020 didn't happen, Miff. 2020 didn't happen. So. What? When he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, remember that? We're all thinking, oh, the digital world, we're all stuffed, get off, lose, lose interest, move on, algorithms are bad and they, you know, it was a great documentary but oh my god I've we haven't changed our behavior for- have we? i've literally just <laughs> forgotten about it until you mentioned it oh gosh well there's a great new book i mean it sounds great because i've just read an interview with the author of it anna lemke who is a psychiatrist who featured in that doco and she's also an addiction expert and she's just written a book called dopamine nation she talks about the smartphone as the modern day hypodermic needle. You know, we turn to it for quick hits, seeking attention. We want validation. We want distraction with each swipe, each like and each tweet. And this is something that I thought of with you because she mentions that we've forgotten how to be alone with our thoughts. You've spoken Mm. about this before when you go out for walks or when you're painting the house and you want to listen to an audio book because you, you know, want something to do. And Mm. smartphones have the same thing. We're constantly interrupting ourselves. We don't when I pull up behind someone at a stoplight, it's more than likely there's going to be a significant pause after the light goes green because even waiting one minute while before those lights change is not enough. For, you know, you pick someone picks up the phone, which is a whole other level of dangerous. Mm. But we can't we can't just sit there and be still and be alone with our thoughts. It's gotten that bad. And she speaks to that through this article and how the pandemic, of course, has made it a whole lot worse. Mm. But one of the things that really um, grabbed me in this piece was that that definition of dopamine, which we think of as this kind of reward when something good happens. But she describes dopamine and explains dopamine as it actually is, you know, as much about the the anticipation as the payoff. 
So the idea of, oh, I'm hungry, I want a pizza, and as soon as you think that, the dopamine's kicked in. Not when you eat the pizza. That's me. That's (laughs) And And now everyone's ordering a pizza. pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I say Indian food, curry tonight. It's happening. Yeah, I know. I've been thinking about pizza all day now. So that anticipation of it is dopamine, a dopamine release too, as much as the um, as the as the realization of it. And of course, with every hit, with every high, just like any other addiction, there's a drop. So we kind of spiral into this joy-seeking abyss. And if you've got drugs or pizza or money or anything that has you know a finite end, that runs out and inevitably that will run out um, unless you're really rich. But with social media, it never runs out. Like you never get to the end of Netflix. You never get to the end of TikTok. You pull down, it reloads, and you've got a whole bunch of new tweets or new Instagram stories. And so this instant gratification and our obsession with instant gratification gets worse and worse. But it also means that we're constantly living in our limbic brain, which processes emotions, Mm. rather than in our prefrontal cortex, which deals with future planning, problem solving and personality develop development. Mm. So if you're wondering why can't I remember things? Where am I right now? What am I supposed to be doing? It's absolutely the pandemic, but it's also our addiction to smartphones which just keeps us in I mean the fact that it's called limbic brain, it just sounds like you're in limbo, doesn't it? it We're does. just swimming in this world of of limbo and so we've sort of doubled up. It's like we we, we already had this issue with smartphones, but with the pandemic it's it's doubled up the problem. So are we gonna and come we d- out, we're gonna come out of this just like completely messed up. That's terrifying. Now, unlike the Laura Snape's article, I do have a solution for you. This do is you? What, happy is ending. what is it? What if is you it? want to give it a burl, um, I think that understanding it, just like that languishing article that we talked about in from the mm. New York Times a couple of months ago, having an understanding of it and being able to name it and articulate it is the first step of understanding what it's doing to us. Um, understanding that. You know, pre-smartphones, we we did have long periods with our thoughts, and as such, we were able to tolerate a lot more distress. You know, because we didn't, we could delay gratification, we could sit with pain, and we could deal with frustration in different forms, and that made us more resilient and able to deal with it. You know, it it the badness makes us better, as well. Guess what I'm saying? Mm. Pain can make you stronger. Um, so. How do you get back to that point? Well, she suggests that you chuck your phone in a drawer for 12 hours. No, no see, I live alone. This is the other thing. This is what this article doesn't get to. There's a lot of people on their own who are living with their own thoughts a lot. And I have to say this is this is good and it's timely, but to be honest, no one's meant to be living alone with their thoughts this much either. So... To request that people throw that out right now is like telling a two-year-old that they can't have their dummy anymore. Like it's not fair. It's <laughs> I think that what she's I think that what she's proposing though is not just not like a cold turkey. No longer use your phone. Put it in the drawer for twelve hours. Mm. That will be long enough to break that that situ- It's like a period of fasting. It will mm. it will shake you up and make you sort of open your eyes and go okay. What else is there? Mm. And then from there, work towards, you know, the the cravings are the most acute, she says, in addiction in the first 12 hours. Totally, totally. And your willpower is only so strong. She acknowledges that. So 12 hours, enough, and then work to moderate it, which, of Mm. course, we talk about every other bloody week on Bang On. How do I moderate my my smartphone use? 
Can but I, this can is I, one way you can give it. Could you give it a go? Could you give it a uh, go? No, no. I'd feel completely. <laughs> I w- to be honest, right now I would feel completely isolated if I didn't have my phone. I'm isolated enough, so I don't think this is actually a good thing for me to do. That's a fair call. Right now. But the other thing is I went to the jungle in South Africa for a month and we had no phones. They were taken away from us. No phones for a month. So I have done this. Mm. And you do go through periods where like that initial period where you go, what's going on? I miss it. But then after a while you get used to being without it and you remember that person that you were without a phone. But also you realise how fucking boring you are as (laughs) Sorry to swear, but it was like, oh, God, I'm so boring. In my head, I, you do need other people's ideas and, 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 and you do enjoy getting inspiration sparks from other people, whether it be stories or conversations or ideas. And there are other ways of getting it. But I've got to say the phone does a bit of it in the same way that, say, a book might have done 200 years ago or um, the newspaper. 200 years. Phones haven't been around that long, (laughs) No, 200 years ago when we were all reading books. Well, we were, you know, like there's, uh, yeah, I'm half with you on this and I'm half not because, you know, you see those photos of people on the trains reading reading the newspapers and people then were saying, like all of them going off to, going off to work, everyone's reading a newspaper and everyone's going, nobody's looking outside, no one's looking at nature, they're all heads stuck in a paper. And, you know, it's a bit the same now, isn't it? I mean, they Can- phones are bad but they're also kind of good and I'm <laughs> sounding like a drug addict, aren't I? You're totally, absolutely justifying your addiction. I'll give you I one am. more thing which is more about, okay, so this is a dopamine release. This is a reward instead mm. of a, you know, the way that you change behaviour is through reward, not punishment, right? Mm. So here's another option for you. When we do things that are challenging, this psychiatrist says, so like mm. going for a run, having an ice bath, still haven't done that, talking to a stranger, reading a book on philosophy, these are all her ideas of things that are rewarding. Mm. Whatever is rewarding for you that's outside of the world of phones, instead of receiving a dopamine boost beforehand, we receive it afterwards. And mm. doing things that are hard is one of the best ways to pursue a life worth living because the pleasure we get afterwards is more enduring. We tend to forget that earned highs are much sweeter. And That's I know that whenever good. I do something significant, I feel great for two days afterwards. Yeah. Whereas the dopamine hit from a phone... We know it because we just keep going yeah, back. It's, it's so short-lived. Yeah. So if you want to feel good for longer, that's my that's my dopamine hit for you. I agree. Do something I, that, that, that really is an investment as opposed to just doom scrolling. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to get out of this. Do things that give you the high once you've achieved them and completed them. And, you know, put a bit of effort into it. And I also, aside from what I said about phones being a bit of a lifeline, which they are more so than they ever would be at the moment, and I think that's probably not helping a lot of people, which is leading yeah. leading to things like greater addiction. And this is not a normal part, part of life. This will change. There will be more of an opportunity to be more part of the world and, and, and engage in, in society and culture um, as opposed to just through a screen. That that will change and it's going to happen, fingers crossed, Um we probably will look back at this time with our phones as like we look back at cigarette smoking. I think mm. it's I think it's that bad. Like, uh, look, it's offered me a lifeline, but you know it's not good for you. Instant gratification is not great for you. It's it's probably going to be looked back at like that. 
Miff, I want to bring back the segment that we jump into every now and then titled Things That We Don't Understand. Oh, yes, yes. There's a couple of things this week. <laughs> coffee towels. What the what the heck? Coffee I'm, towels. I, I've never heard this term in my life before, but this is something that blew up on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Cam Smith on Twitter has posted this, and it's a photograph with a colour-coded, colour-coded little chart that tells you in Australia, what people use for the term, which I thought was universal, to be honest, tea towel. Now, mm. tea towel, the, the thing that, that we use in the kitchen every single day, I use the word quite regularly, very comfortable with it. Tea towel is apparently or allegedly only used in Tasmania, Victoria, small parts of New South Wales and South Australia and the Northern Territory. In South Australia, they go with terry towel, for the tea towel, which I kind of get, but it's not Cute. terry toweling mostly. Tea no. towels are usually a thinner, a thinner consistency, more of a cotton situation. Yes. Um, and in parts of New South Wales, they just use the word towel, which is, I mean, I, I just say absolutely no. That's what you use on your body when you get out of the shower or the water. You use a towel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that got me stumped and apparently is in the widest of use and I've lived in New South Wales, haven't lived in Queensland, visited a lot. WA, I thought you were okay up until now because you apparently, allegedly, and again, I've never heard this, use the term for tea towel, coffee towel. Nah. Have you ever heard of this? A cold bullshit on this. Was this a question on the census that I missed? Like where do they get this information? Where is this data being verified? I'm calling bullshit. Are you? But it's got to come from somewhere. Someone calls it a coffee towel. <laughs> It's got to come from somewhere is the slogan of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to come from somewhere. <laughs> Please. Do your research. Do your research. Is it a coffee towel? Um, it's not. And can I can I just take this moment to actually shout out, we've got a new Bang On producer, yeah. our first female producer. I've been wanting to call Gab our bang bitch, but I don't know whether she's agreed to that, so we'll Ooh. have a discussion off air. But Gab is just... Gab is just given the the shaking of the head. Grew up in Queensland. Coffee mm. towels. No, does don't exist. Okay, I challenge anyone who's listening who does use the term coffee towel. I mean, this could be the biggest joke on the internet that we've all fallen for. This could be some weird marketing campaign that we've all fallen for. You know for. what to do. S- send send us an email in the bang box. Let us know. Is yeah. coffee towel a, a phrase you have ever heard used? You Is it what? tea towel? Is it towel? Is it terry towel? Is it coffee towel? We'd love to know. And you've got to tell us where, where you grew up and, and where you live mm. right now. Coffee towel insinuates that it is for a very specific thing and there's only one other thing that I know that a towel is specifically used for other than bathing and that's the vibe it gives me. I'm not into it. I'm not into it at all. Do you get my drift? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's true. Like, you know, like don't give it a specific name. Like it's no. (laughs) I mean, maybe they've got a name for that too. (laughs) Oh, wow. We're going down the rabbit hole here. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Hey, Zan, it's time to bang on. What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a feel-good film which I saw 
on Friday night on Apple TV. I don't know about you, Miff, but on Friday nights there is no room for anything that's um, deep and meaningful for me, no mm. documentaries, no heavy films. It's like it's Ted Lasso or a feel-good rom-com. Yep. And this is a coming-of-age film, one of my other favourite genres. It's called CODA. CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults and it is centred around a character called Ruby who has deaf parents and a deaf brother, but she is a hearing person and she kind of acts as a translator for them in their fishing business in Gloucester, Massachusetts. So she gets up at 3am, she goes out on the boat, then she goes along to high school, um, usually falls asleep in class, and this is her life. And the other part of this story which unfolds is that Ruby loves to sing, um, but her parents don't know that because they can't hear her sing. She decides to join the choir after seeing a boy that she's got a crush on join the choir as well. So she lobs in and there she's um, taught by an amazing teacher who basically sees the talent she has and really pushes her to audition for Berklee College of Music. And the parents have no idea and this is where the story unfolds. I want to do this. There are plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? And I didn't realise this, but it's actually a remake of a quite popular 2014 French film that, um, okay. of course, the Americans um, can't do subtitles, so they've remade it in uh, America. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but whatever way you come to it, it is just so beautiful and it's a little bit, it's got a touch of the Disney film about it, oh, which yeah. is kind of like, ooh, it's a bit cheesy, but it, it, it sort of gets over that as well. And honestly, it's just so heartfelt and beautiful and I bawled my eyes out. And Aww. Marley Matlin's in it too. I love oh, Marley Matlin. I love her. That's beautiful. And she's so good and so saucy and hilarious and it's fantastic. So if you need a bit of a lift, if you need a feel-good film, I couldn't recommend it highly enough. It's called Coda and it's on Apple TV. I loved it. Excellent. That is fabulous. What are you banging on about? A new ABC TV series, which I am loving, um, A, because it's a cracking story about journalists in the 80s, 1986 specifically, where lots of world events happened that may or may not have changed the course of, of our history, but you'd know of all of those events, things like Haley's Comet, Lindy Chamberlain trial, lots of events like that. I thought I was reading the Thatcher story. That was late, we are back. Uh, 60 Minutes are sending female reporters to war zone. <laughs> You're a war zone on two legs. Here we go again. It's set in Melbourne and it's about uh, newsreaders. It's called The Newsreader. It's very much a trend at the moment because we've had Morning Wars on Apple TV, uh, various other programs about the the rise and rise of, of media personalities and the mechanisms behind those organisations, um, which mm. are not, and, and people behind those organisations, not necessarily all good. And this is, I guess, an Australian version of that. It features Anna Torv, who is brilliant as the newsreader, Helen Norville, and Sam Reed is the go-getting young journalist who they who strikes up a friendship with Anna through um, a difficult situation and it's just really great. The interiors are fabulous. I'm, I'm, it's oh, my fe- God, the styling. You were the first person I thought of when I saw oh. I was like, Miff is frothing on this. The styling oh. is so spot on. Superb. It is incredible. Superb. And it's filmed, as far as I can gather, in the most part at the old ABC studios in Elstonwick that we used to film oh, Spicks wow. and Specs. And, and that is now obviously being turned into apartments. 
Um, but it was a classic. I remember going in there all the time and loving it. You know, the the, the vinyl floor, classic sixties interiors, wood paneling. I'm not sure if the office situation is still in the ABC. That could just be an extraordinary office. I didn't really spend much time in the offices, but I know those hallways like the back of my hand and, yeah, and the makeup room. And it was it was just lovely. And the eighty styling inside uh, Anna Torv's house is. Mm. Oh, I'm just loving it. I love it. It's like a warm, comfy blanket. But, you know, the story itself is quite difficult. It talks about things like sexism. It explores uh, lots lots of issues about the way news was told in those times. So, yeah, it's it's really great. Created and written by Michael Lucas, who if you listen to M. Ricciano's podcast, M. Salation, that's her co-host. They've been friends forever. Oh, right. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. It's... um. It's it's fabulous. I'm I'm loving what I've seen so far. Yeah, me too. And it's so rare that you have those appointment television moments these days. But I am tuning in uh, on Sunday nights to watch the next episode. I'm just I'm loving it. Sick. It's it's so so good. It's the first couple of episodes are up on iView. Obviously, as always, we'll put all the links to everything that we're talking about mm. in the show notes, um, including the bang on email address, so you can give us a heads up on coffee towels yeah. and if they exist. Before we wrap up for this week, I wanted to share another great review as well. Um, if you do use any kind of podcast app, usually you can leave reviews. I know that you can definitely do it on Apple Podcasts. And someone, um, Dorothy Jean, just left a really cute review, which I love the title more than anything. She says, better than a jaffle. I mean, there you go. (laughs) This pod has me striding down the street, headphones in, smiling and laughing. Miff and Zan give me the warm and fuzzies. Thank you for being the rays of sunshine that we all need. Thank you for leaving reviews, sending us emails, being the rays of light for us because we, we feel it, we take it, we embrace it, we appreciate it so much that you take the time to write these messages and these reviews. So thank you from the bottom of our heart and um. Yeah, we'll be we'll be finding the light in whatever we can next week mm-hmm. and just watching stupid shit too. <laughs> Welcome to my life. Hey, if I could actually define my life, it's pretty much watching stupid shit or listening to listening to stupid shit, sometimes good shit, sometimes stupid shit, and there's my career. <laughs> You're the gatekeeper we all need me for, Hurst. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, love you. Love, love you, you Bang Fam. See you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. on.